Welcome to the Rethinking Humanity podcast, where we dive deeper into what makes us human and what causes us to thrive. I'm Lacey Delane. Hi, I'm Sonia Lorea. And we are so excited to have you guys for episode 32. Woohoo! <laughs> it is wow. the, the need for rootedness. Uh, we've been taught we've been in a series talking about uh, the human needs that we we all have and and many folks debate whether we have human needs. Um, I think that's kind of silly. Uh, we definitely do have human needs and this is one of them. Sonia, what's going on, girl? How are you? I'm just ready to do the podcast today. Lots of interesting topics we're going to touch on. So just waiting, waiting to do this. For sure. Well, um, I have to tell you guys that I'm feeling kind of crummy today. Uh, I don't know what it is. Like Sonia, we, Sonia and I met for breakfast and I'm just like, my brain is just slow moving this morning. Um, But I did get my second vaccination a second shot this week so that's like, yay! Yay! um and sonia i think you said we're at like uh 58 percent of US. Um, we're gonna be at 68 on july 4th so we're you know we're close okay. we're not there yet but we, that's what they're predicting so we're really close we're really close to target for 70 percent yeah um, that was the target yeah, yeah so so that's good and i'm glad to be a part of that to of that group um, I did mention last week that I had been in New York City. I don't want to talk a lot about it, Sonia, but that place is awesome, especially right now because there's not as much activity as normal. Mm-hmm. I love the diversity of that place. It's amazing. Yeah, it's a cool city. It's very walkable. So much, you know, great food, entertainment. It's That's why it's New York, you know. It's awesome. And so, yeah. much, so much history. It's almost like you can feel the history when you're in New York city, it's a different vibe. Very different. Oh, very different. Very different. Yeah. yeah. I'm glad you, uh, I'm glad you enjoyed it. Yeah. It's a cool city. It's a great, great place. Um, yeah. So, um, I guess we, we want to mention a couple things, uh, today, just news pieces before we get into our heavy, not heavy, but our like regular content, which is the need for rootedness. Um, incest or brotherliness. Uh, these are two ways that we can think about and actually fulfill that need for rootedness. But um, one of the things I was mentioning and Victor and Sonia and I were laughing about multiple things as we were waiting to get started today, you know, um, BSing before we began. And one of the things we were talking about were, were taxes. And I had mentioned, I'm Sonia, I don't know if you know this about me, but I am so bad about like filing for an extension and waiting as long as possible. I don't know what it is. It's just, it's not my favorite thing to do. And so this week I was working on tax stuff. And of course I owe the government some money. And I'm (laughs) like, you know what? I was mad. I'm like, damn it. This is so stupid. This is so messed up. You know why? Because I'm paying the government money, but people like Jeff Bezos are paying nothing. They're paying nothing in taxes. I'm like, this is so jacked up. Yeah, it is. Um, and it reminded me, and I'm going to tell everyone to check out a podcast called Inside the IRS Files of the Ultra Wealthy. It's from the oh, New York Times. Okay. And oh my gosh, you listen to it. Like you're talking about Bezos, George Soros, Elon Musk, all these guys. And they there's a laundry list of people that are really, you know, wealthy people. How they avoid paying taxes and they do it legally. And they really dive deep in ProPublica goes in and they actually get their, through the Freedom of Information Act, they get their taxes. So they actually analyze it. There's this whole analysis and it's taken them years. 
But wow. to your point, Lacey, there's something really wrong in a system that you have this ultra, ultra wealthy that mm. pay either zero or a very, they do an analysis, like say we pay like $100, they'll pay like $1. You know, they'll pay like 10 cents and we're paying, you know, they're doing this whole comparison and we're paying like 50 wow. cents on the dollar. So it's messed yeah. up. It's messed up. Yeah. So yeah, I hear you. Yeah. I mean, I, you you said this as we were, you know, in the green room before we started, but it's like, we're, we're carrying the weight of this country. We, we pay for the shit. You know what yeah, I mean? Exactly. Ultra wealthy don't. And they, you know, it's a sad thing because there's a, there's a lack of being connected to the whole mm-hmm. that they are not, that they're experiencing. I'm saying that they don't get to experience a, being a part of the collective. And this right. is one way, you know, that yes. they're missing out on that. Okay, so one of their pushbacks, and this is interesting, um, is they'll say, well, I, you know, I as this wealthy person know how to spend my money better. Like, I don't want the government telling me. And so the interviewer is saying, well, I'd like that opportunity too. (laughs) (laughs) To say, I know how to spend my money better. All right. So you could take the money, quote unquote, you owe the IRS and go, I don't know, donate it somewhere or help to build a bridge. I Hell, I don't know. Right. why are we having to go by what the government's saying, but they don't have to play by those rules. They, the ultra there's something sort of flawed about that, you know? Yeah. I saw a tweet by Dan Price, who I think we've mentioned on the podcast before and Mm -hmm. something like, I hear people say who that are, you know, the billionaires who are not paying any taxes, they're not doing anything illegal. And his at the bottom (laughs) goes, yeah. And that's the problem. problem. They're not doing anything illegal. Yeah. That's the problem. Um, so, you know, there's a lot mm-hmm. of, well, I say there's a lot, there's definitely some solutions to this problem, mm-hmm. but the reality is it seems to be this pattern of like, you know, preying on the victim and blaming the victim and, and sucking life out of the victims. And when I say that, what I mean is like, oh, we're the people who are suffering as a result of them not paying the taxes, but we're the ones who are paying the taxes. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I agree with it you that it can be changed there can be changes made to the system but we need enough people to be yelling and screaming like you and me saying hell no (laughs) yep yep hey someone is cussing today i like it i I love it uh uh, before before we move on i got a funny thing because victor you know our guy our technical guy yay and i were talking i told him that speaking of the irs i had to fax them this week that shows you how bureaucratic and old school, whatever. We're in like another era. Fax? Who uses faxes? Do you guys, I bet you some of our listeners don't even know what a fax is. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I I could say that I don't, but I do. Uh, But yeah, no, you can't, can you even, like you said, can you even buy one? No, you have to go to like a place like the UPS store or whatever, where they have a fax. Like they're, they're, they're faxes I don't even think like exist anymore, barely. Or rarely. Yeah. All you have to do is take a picture of it and send it in an oh, email. I, oh, I know. They don't do that, though. They don't do email. Right, don't because do that's email. how messed up the bureaucracy is. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's so funny. Oh, Okay, so we can move on. <laughs> yeah. That's a great story. Thank you for sharing. Um, you heard a uh, podcast on the birth rate decreasing, mm-hmm. I think, week. And this is something we've talked about previously as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, I stumbled on that, and you and I have kind of discussed it. And I'd love to do a show, you know, podcast on dive deeper into. But the highlight of it is, 
there's the argument, the birth rate is declining. We know that. And that is declining also in other developed um, worlds. So there's some some worries about that, like how, who's going to be doing, paying for social security, who's going to be quote unquote, taking care of us as we age. Mm. Uh, but there's two schools of thought in the, in the podcast I listened to, one person saying, yeah, it's an issue. The other person saying it's not really an issue. So I won't get into it here, but it's a really interesting topic. Mm-hmm. And it makes you start thinking, you know, of our world and and humanity and, and all the things that, you know, we discuss on here, climate, it, does it affect climate? Does it not? Like, what are the pros and cons, I guess, yeah. of managing the birth rate? And then it gets into the whole idea, do you want to even have children, which is mm-hmm. a whole nother conversation, which, and what, you know, in society, you need a society that's going to support families. So you could see where this is going. It can sure. go in many directions. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. And I mean, I think that just thinking about this is an important thing for us, you know, mentioning it, um, inviting you all uh, to think on it, because it's certainly something that has not ever been the case, especially in multiple countries at a time. Um, And this is what we mentioned on a previous podcast, but this is the first time in history uh, that we have recorded history since doing the census that the population has or the birth rate has declined and continually declined. And so it it is, a, is it is something that affects us on multiple levels, economic, mm-hmm. um, you know, as a species. Um, so familial, all those things. Yeah. Um, and there are a lot of women, like we've reported before, who want to have kids, but they're like, I don't know if I can afford that. I don't <laughs> know if I'm going to have the support for that. Um, so, yeah. And, and I think, you know, something that Sonia and I have talked about and we plan to, to kind of take the next episode in this direction um, is we're going to talk a little bit about motherhood and the challenges of motherhood. um, And we actually have found a video that we listened to this week um, on the Oedipus complex by Eric Fromm. It's a talk that he gave. And then there's some professors kind of discussing motherhood. It is so, so interesting. Um, And I think it's super relevant and also in the content that we're going to discuss in just a minute, uh, from mentions the Oedipus complex. So there's a, there's a tie in to our content here, but, uh, but we just also think motherhood and, um, that and the Oedipus complex and how that all kind of plays in together would be a really interesting topic. Yeah. It'll be, it'll be fun to talk about for sure. Yeah. So be on the lookout, um, for that. All right. That being said, uh, I can't believe we talked almost 11 minutes here on these things, but we did. So let's get into it. (laughs) Um, All right. We have been in a series uh, talking about um, humans. Do humans have needs? Uh, Yes, they do. Is from conclusion that's we agree. Yes, men do have needs. What are they and how can we figure out what they are? Well, uh, that's what we've been talking about. So I want to just kind of quickly go through the needs that he's laid out so far. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then we'll jump into what we'll talk about today. Um, the need to unite. That was our episode on relatedness um, and narcissism. So the need to relate. Um, and then we've also talked about the need to transcend. Um, and the two ways to do that, cre- being creative or being mm-hmm. destructive. All right. Um, And then today we're talking about the need for rootedness and the two different ways that we can do that is through brotherliness or incest, which I know that is a strong word. And it's 
highly sexually, um, you know, triggering. Uh, well, triggering, but I was going to say oriented. Like if you think of oh, it yeah. for incest, you think of sexual, you know, think of it sexually. And I will say that that is not fully the picture that from um, presents it in. Um, and he talks about it in more of a, how could we say it, Sonia? Uh, more of a anecdotal way when it comes to like how we relate ourselves and how we find our rootedness. Um, so we can get, get into more of that. But before we, I want to kind of give a brief outline and then we're, okay. this is a very academic section. It's a long section. Mm -hmm. and, so and I don't pretend to be academics. Um, but what we're going to do is just read, share with you what, uh, not read, but share with you what kind of stand, stands out to us in this. Before I do that though, before I kind of give a little outline, Sonia, what are your thoughts and how would you outline it? What, you know, go ahead and let me hear your, some oh, of your thoughts. Of, of the, uh, of this one section, the brotherliness mm -hmm. versus inset. Yeah, um, yeah. Yeah. I think um, from is, so from big picture scale, yes. he's trying to look at how we are sort of as a society, he's going to drill down. We'll talk about the individual, but as a society, like what is, where, where's the rootedness coming from? Meaning, the brotherliness is the connection that you have with one another. I'm really simplifying this here. Okay, incest is just this sort of abnormal like connection to something, whether it's like the person or the country mm. or whatever that will be that we'll get into a little more. Man, Sonia, you are such a baller. <laughs> I'm serious. I'm serious. This is why I love you, man. <laughs> Thank you, Lacey. Hi, you're welcome. I love doing this podcast with you. That was so well said. Sometimes I get anxious because I'm like, I want to summarize this and I want to summarize it well. And then I, you know this already about me. And then I'm like, think about it. And I write up all these notes. And then I'm like, I just need to relax because it's yeah, just fine. You know just what I mean? Say it, say it. And then, you know, if we don't get it right the first time, you we keep talking about it and it comes out eventually, right? We're humans. We're yeah, not perfect. Exactly. No, but you said it so well. I mean, I think the brotherliness, and I love this um, idea and, and the way he verbalized it, is just our connection one to another as human beings. We are brothers. We, mm -hmm. He calls it the brotherhood of man. I love that. And 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 in the healthiest place and the best place for us to find our rootedness is on a larger scale. Mm -hmm. uh, the brotherhood of man. And mm -hmm. when we start talking about sex, S-E-C-T-S, um, and nationalism and patriotism mm -hmm. in those mm -hmm. in the negative senses of those words, um, that's when we start to talk about the incestuous place to find our rootedness. Um, so, and that involves an other. So like my clan, my tribe, my blood, my mm -hmm. soil is the, is the elite. And the person over there who's not a part of that um, is an other and is demonized really. And that's mm -hmm. really what he's talking about on the incestuous level on a mm -hmm. macro scale. Right. So yeah, to me, it's real interesting the way he starts this. He starts it very basic how when we are born, you know, we're all born for, uh, to a woman, you know, and so it's the mother, it's the womb and it's that safe secure place that as adults, we always want to return back to that. And that it's expected that we can't give up that longing unless we find other ways to be rooted. 
So mm. he starts out with the, the symbol, but, but also the reality of is we are all are coming from a mother that we've been born, you know, from and that mother figure. So that's really interesting because from will start to, you know, separate, he talks about the mother, talks about the father. And then we get into the incestuous part, which I know we're going to touch on with Freud is one of the things that um, Freud kind of this theory that he coined was the Oedipus complex where the son connects with the mother and, um, and as opposed particularly to the on a sexual level. Yes. 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 And yes. Fro um, from, I like his analysis. He's saying that Freud came up with that idea because of his own issues, Freud's own issues with his mother and because there was a patriarchal society and uh, Frome looks at that relationship of the son and the mother more as that need to have that bond. He doesn't. He he doesn't describe it from the sexual right. perspective that Freud does. It's more about that need for rootedness mm -hmm. um, that that we are all looking for, um, particularly a child needs. Right. Um, right. And so, yeah, I think that's, it's quite interesting that he goes there. And I mean, this speaks to the academic nature of, mm -hmm. of this section and, and from himself. But, um, but I think uh, th this is a good place to find the definition or, or to find what he's talking about when he says rootedness. And rootedness, um, I would say, you know, the picture of the mother mother rooting the child, giving him or her a solid foundation, a connection, a safety, a security, a home. Mm -hmm. That is kind of what he's talking about. Um, and uh, this is something that we have that's a need. And then he goes on to say, isn't it, is it not surprising that after, at adulthood or upon adulthood, we're still looking for that because mm -hmm. it's a need that we have. It We were grounded in mother from the beginning. Now we need to be grounded. We still need to be grounded, mm -hmm. right? And so yeah. that's something that we look for um, as adults after we have um, that with a mother. And then when you see start to see the psychosis is whenever people are like, oh, I can't do this. I can't find rootedness outside of my mother. I want to go back to mother. Mm -hmm. I want to go back to that safe womb. And that's, that's some, you know, that's a pathology. That's not helpful. Right. Not helpful. right. He talks about, yeah, exactly what you said, Lacey. Mother's food. She is love. She is warmth. She is earth. To be loved by her means to be alive, to be rooted, to be at home. So I do think, yeah, of course, as adults, we are continuously looking for that rootedness. And that can come out negatively, as you're saying. You can have like schizophrenia. You can be externally dependent. There's all these things that you, you know, because it's, you're, one doesn't develop in the way that one should because eventually there's the separation, of course. Right. The healthy right. separation, as we know, that when a child is growing up, there is that normal attachment and then there comes the time where there there has to be the detachment, right. but depending on that fixation, and the and how the mother reacts to the child's leaving, you know, and I'm saying this metaphorically, then mm -hmm. this is what creates well all the issues we know we have today, like with attachment and dependency, right. et cetera. Right. Yeah. The pathology that you're saying. And, yeah. and we've talked about how difficult, which we will talk about this next week too. It is for mothers 
to mm-hmm. let go of their children mm-hmm. and, and to understand that that is the ultimate job of the mother is to put the child in a place where they can let go, you know, and that they can leave and be independent. And the interesting part about that is that, and, and Fro mentions this in this chapter and I love it, is how do, how do adults get there? What's the best thing? And ultimately what in, in the best case scenario, what happens is the child the adult child is able to internalize the mother and the father. And what does that mean? That means that the, the adult child becomes his own mother mm-hmm. and his own father. The adult child is able, really, this is what I'm saying. And he's saying is able to look within himself to find the rootedness mm-hmm. um, that he had as a child, knowing that, you know, he had that foundation and now here he is and, he's able to give that to himself. And I would even venture to say that a lot of therapy uh, for folks who didn't maybe have the best childhoods, that's part of the process of therapy is being able to kind of mother and father yourself. Right. Um, Yeah, I agree with you. I think, you know, the thing the the idea that we have that within ourselves, both the mother and father and developing that, I think that that's probably what the majority of humans are struggling with that, you know, yep. there's, it's very rare that you find someone who's kind of done that work and is, you know, it's good. I mean, I think all of us are trying to return to that safe place. Um, mm-hmm. One of the things from says this man in order to be born in order to progress has to sever the umbilical cord. He has yeah. to overcome the deep craving to remain tied to mother. And that's, you know, I think that's just very powerful. Um, that we look for once that is, if you're able to sever that, then you're going to look for that in other areas of life right. to be tied to something like right. we were talking earlier, maybe to, you know, the clan or a fan, the family or a nation. Um, because there, there needs to be this, I think in the human being, this connectedness yes. to something that makes you feel that there you have value, right. especially now that you're, at a different stage. You're not in the child stage. You're not in the dependent stage. I'm going to read this little part from second paragraph of page 41. I think it'll be helpful to tie all these ideas together of incest and the clan. The problem of incest, however, is not restricted to fixation to the mother. The tie to her is only the most elementary form of all natural ties of blood, which give man a sense of rootedness and belonging. The ties of blood are extended to those who are blood relatives, whatever the system is, according to, to which such relationships are established, the family and the clan, and later on the state, nation, or church assume the same functions which the individual mother had originally for the child. The individual leans on them, feels rooted in them, has, a sense, has his sense of identity as a part of them and not as an individual apart from them. The person who does not belong to the same clan is considered as alien and dangerous, as not sharing in the same human qualities, which only the own clan possesses. Yeah. Um, what What's really powerful about that paragraph, and a little scary, is mm-hmm. I think we are living right now in the times, I mean, I'm sure this is any, any era of time, we're living in times where you see this where people are deeply tied to their quote unquote, you know, group, clan, uh, 
political party, um, nation. Mm -hmm. And that is causing a lot of problems because their identity, that mm. is more important than the love for your brother. Right. And that's right. what Trump says. And he does say that um, if your group is more important, um, I don't know if I can find this right now, but I know I put it in my notes. He says, if your group is more important than overall humanity, that is uh, insanity. Let me see where I wrote this. Mm -hmm. Nation above humanity is insanity. That's page 58 at the bottom, which yeah. I think is powerful. What he's saying is like, if your mm -hmm. group, if you think your group is better than another group and your, your first, um, your first, your primary sense of rootedness is not in the brotherhood of man of humanity. Right. There's insanity there. Yeah. He says nationalism is our form of incest is our idolatry is our insanity. Patriotism is its cult. Mm, which is yeah. um, which is huge, yeah. It should hardly be necessary to say that by patriotism, I mean that attitude which puts the own nation above humanity, above the principles of truth and justice, not the loving interest in one's own nation, which is the concern with the nation's spiritual as much as with its material welfare, never with its power over other nations. Yes. Just as love for one individual, which excludes the love for others, is not love, love for one's country, which is not part of one's love for humanity, is not love, but idolatrous worship. That's so, so good. good. Oh my yeah. gosh. Guys, That's super good. That's do you good. understand why I love Frome so much? <laughs> yeah. Do you hear what she just said? <laughs> yeah. God, so, so good. Yes. Um, and I mean, I think we, like you're saying, Sonia, we're seeing a lot of this manifest right now, particularly mm -hmm. our moment. Another reason why Frome is, was so able to see down the road and ahead of his time, you know? Yeah. Uh, I, um, I love him. I love what he talks about. Uh, you know, one of the things, and if we're going to get into Frome's this part of the chapter that I found interesting that I learned is, you know, we live in this patriarchal world still today, but Frome does talk about how important the matriarchal world was. Yeah. And yeah. actually that existed, you know, uh, previous to what we're, you know, in Greece and India, he actually goes into how, I mean, both sides are important, right? And we've, we're sort of living in this patriarchal culture now, and there's a need to go back to the matriarchal. But right. um, I, for, the, for our development as human beings, we need both, you know, it's the yin and the yang, we need both sides. Yeah, you know, I'm glad you're mentioning this because I, I know earlier I was mentioning um, about how we need to be able to internalize mother and father. And so he mm -hmm. does go in and give the pros and cons of motherly love, fatherly love. Um, and I want to kind of, you know, highlight that. Okay. Uh, and that's kind of the same thing as the patriarchal or matriarchal forms of uh, society or mm -hmm. approaches. Let's see. Um Clearly the negative and positive aspects of the attachment to the mother figure. So the, the positive aspect to the attachment to the mother figure, or as we would say, the, the positive aspect of the mother um, of mother and the thing that from mother, we want to internalize mm -hmm. is a sense of affirmation of life, of freedom mm -hmm. and equality, which pervades the matriarchal structure. Mm -hmm. um, the negative, negative aspect of the matriarchal structure 
Um, man is blocked from developing his individuality and his reason. And I'm not saying, you know, I guess what I'm saying is if we were in a matriarchal society dominated, individuality mm-hmm. and reason maybe is, uh, is weaker, right? And then right. In, the, in the patriarchal and then the father side, reason and logic plays a strong, strong role. Mm-hmm. So when we're talking about internalizing the voice of mother and father, we're talking about internalizing affirmation of self, love of self, regardless of whether you do good or not or fail or whatever. And then on the on the father side, it's uh, logic. It's um, learning from mistakes. It's like, hey, next time I'm not going to do that. I'm going to do this. It's it's kind of the opposite. I'm not finding where he. Yeah, works. he says. Well, the positive aspects would be reason, discipline, conscience, and individualism. Ah, okay. The negative aspects are hierarchy, oppression, inequality, submission. Okay, perfect. There you go. So I think that's so interesting how those two weave together. Not only on an individual level of reparenting or not reparenting, but parenting yourself or finding the mother and mm-hmm. the father in you, but also from the patriarchal matriarchal societal structure or approach level as well. Yeah. I mean, it's obvious that you need both of those to be able to be functioning, you know, in our, um, and, and how the healthy society, you know, yes. for humanity. Um, I thought also he goes into how our culture, the Western culture was developed. Um, he looks back at the Jewish culture and the Greek cultures. And so that's very interesting because obviously in the Jewish tradition, you're looking at the Old Testament, very, very patriarchal. Also with the Greek culture, I was interesting too, there was a patriarchal aspect of that too. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's, it's just interesting how he actually takes us all the way back, like historically, how human history, how things, you know, were evolved. And obviously we're again talking about the positives of having reasoning and the parts that you're talking about, the intellectual parts, say for on the patriarchal, but you can't just have one aspect of our, our humanity. You know, if we look at history, we see like from the Bible, it showed that Eve came from the rib of Adam. And then he goes into the Greek culture saying that also that, um, Athena came from Zeus's, uh, was not a child, but came from Zeus's head. So he's challenging that because if you're starting with this idea, a woman is less than, then you're not going to have the humanity that we need right now in our world. And then he keeps going through our history of how we, how we've gotten to where we have today through, you know, our, through Christianity, through the reformation and actually, you know, where we are with, it's very, it's fascinating where we are because I learned a lot. I think um, also it was interesting that religion, uh, he said that religion really tended towards before, before Catholicism yeah. tended right. towards a patriarchal uh, and, and took yes. us away from the rootedness out of, of nature, which in a lot of ways is like, um, mother nature, we we say that mother nature. So it's a very mm-hmm. nature is more of a motherly or matriarchal idea. And then that religion came along and swung the pendulum to the other side to a more patriarchal. Uh, right. And then and then this was fascinating to me because I was raised Catholic. So then when you had the Roman Catholic Church come in with the Virgin Mary, they started to have more a little bit of the pa- matriarchal. But then you have the Protestant Reformation 
the Reformation came, Lutheranism said, boom, no mother, you know, yeah. we're going back to patriarchy, which is yep. kind of, which is really where the world's at today, in my opinion, of the, on religion. But that's mm -hmm. another, religion is another area that one looks to be rooted in. Yeah. That we know can be negative. <laughs> right. Well, I think it's a powerful takeaway from this is that we can be rooted, first of all, in our own humanity. That's it. That's where the healthy rooting is. And second of all, individually within ourselves, as we internalize mother and father, and we know and we can give ourselves the love um, and the encouragement that we need. And so I think those are the two big takeaways from this. Um, and I think if you think about it, if you step back and think about it, if we can find our rootedness in our common humanity, mm -hmm. think about how much better the world would be. Think about how much more peaceful the world would be. Right. I, I love, there's one line in here that he says that I love where it says the brotherhood of all men implies that they are all the sons of the same mother who have an inalienable right to love and happiness. Mm. I, I absolutely. I just thought that was really powerful. Where is that? Uh, that's on page uh, 57. Okay, cool. That's and um, yeah, I mean, because if you take away one without the other, you know, you, you need, uh, you, I understand that you need both sides. You need the reason you know, that we get from the patriarchal side, you mm -hmm. need the connection to the earth that you get from the mother's side. You can't, you can't separate those two. Well, it, it's what strikes me about that is it's really kind of one of those things where just like in many things in life, most things I would even say, we need the balance. We're looking for a balance. It's not mm -hmm. an all or nothing. And we definitely, I feel like at least in American culture, tend to do the all or nothing like this mm -hmm. is the right way or this is the right way and at the end of the day we need balance between the two you know we need to see the positives and the negatives in each one and integrate both of them as much as possible in the healthiest way we can mm -hmm. yeah and from I, I mean it's it's interesting like i said historically to see that when men when they when they were afraid of this new freedom he talks about how the two things that emerged from that were nationalism and racism. Yes. And that's, you know, we're still dealing with that today. And so that's interesting how when man is not feeling rooted to what he needs to be to humanity, now these other, you know, isms rear their ugly head that we're, again, still dealing with. Yeah. The nationalism, I think, is a very interesting topic. I think... Um, Hearing the word nationalism, folks might not think it's a big deal and it might, might they might think it's not that interesting or it's not that meaty, but it really is um, actually from there's a mm -hmm. talk on YouTube of from talking about nationalism, psychology of nationalism, which is something, honestly, Sonia, we could do another episode on. Um, yeah. Mm -hmm. But he talks about nationalism in the negative sense. Now, this is, again, not nationalism on the level of like, I appreciate my country. Right. And I right. want I, I care about its well-being, but like saying my nation is better than some other nations. Right. Putting it above humanity. And so he talks about how nationalism is actually narcissism on mm -hmm. a broader scale. It, it's fascinating. Yeah. Um, and so it makes sense, though, that na nationalism and the, the negative sense and racism would come out of this very clannish um idea of where our identity comes from. 
Yeah, there's one part that I think is just perfect. If anyone does, I recommend. I'm going to read it. Yeah, I mean that attitude which puts the own nation above humanity, above the principles of truth and justice, not the loving interest in one's own nation, which is the concern with the nation's spiritual as much as with its material welfare, never with its power over other nations, just as love for one individual, which excludes the love for others, is not love. Love for one's country, which is not part of one's love for humanity, is not love, but idolatrous worship. Yeah. I think I had read that earlier, but anyway. Still good enough to read again, man. I know, because I just think it says it, you know, when it says it's putting the own nation, you know, above humanity, that tells you everything. That tells you everything. Yeah. 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 Um, and he does mention in, in this section as well, how, how, what, what, what's the word that he uses? It's like an atrocity. It's like the worst thing you can do to like, to, um, to, to create, to do some kind of a hatred act upon yes. a symbol of a nation. Well, but he yes. says furious indignation, but mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, but like atrocity, that's a good one. Sacrilege. Sacrilege. Yes, sacrilege. Exactly. But yet when we talk about going to war and killing people and, and racism, yeah. and hatred, that's not a, that's not nearly as offensive as, Oh my God, you burn the flag. Now, yeah, I'm not that's right. Saying, that's the part. Yeah. Go burn a flag. I'm not saying right. that. I'm just saying contrasting the two uh, approaches to the outrage that comes. Yeah. He says that only when man succeeds in developing his reason and love further than he has done so far, only when he can build a world based on human solidarity and justice, only when he can feel rooted in the experience of universal brotherliness, will he have found a new human form of rootedness. Mm. Will he totally transform his world into truly a human home, which is another one that's really good. Yeah. I've Instagrammed that. And I definitely, I think that's such a powerful, that's the end of the section. um, That part is so, so powerful. He says when he develops his reason and love further than he has done so far, only when he can build a world based on human solidarity, not sect S E C T not solidarity within your clan, but within our own humanity on justice, only when he can feel rooted in the experience of universal brotherliness. Will he have found a new human form of rootedness? Will he have transformed his world into a truly human home? That's what we want. We want to transform the world into a truly human home. Yeah, and I, I also think, especially for our time now, he goes into this, which got me thinking in the individual versus like herd, the herd. Oh, and yeah. Wow, is that something that we should all be able to relate to? I think yeah. it, it speaks to how important it is for people. And I don't think people are always aware of this, how important it is for them to have an identity yeah. and how what they identify with. And how do you be, especially nowadays, how are people objective? Because, you know, once you identify with something, that then there's that subjectiveness. You're, this is quote unquote my belief. So right. I think it's really important to look at that. Um, mm. I, I thought this was really interesting. There's a statement here. In fact, I want to just like memorize it basically. He says, from says, I am, this is what people do. I am as you desire me. Mm. Think about that. I am as you desire me, meaning, I'm going to conform to what, you know, what's going to work for me. But that's not 
that is that's the conformity that's not actually using reason and using an objective um you know way to look at the world right that's, that's falling kind of in line with you know what everybody else is saying or doing which cannot be the right thing at times mm. i thought that yeah. was very 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 fascinating you know super um, super interesting you know what i have to say sonia as much as I was like, wow, this is an, a very academic section, mm -hmm. we killed this shit, man. <laughs> <laughs> I think we did great. I think we did really, really good um, being able to weave it all together because the way we presented it is is certainly not in the same order as he wrote it, you know, right. but right. it all came together so well. And, um, you know, I think this need for rootedness um you know, I think it's certainly uh, strong within us. I think it's something that I would, you know, challenge all of you who are listening to think about where you might feel that need for rootedness coming up within your own self mm -hmm. uh, and being able to identify that. And then finding ways that you can really find that rootedness, number one, within yourself personally, but also within your, your our humanity. Um, and finding ways that maybe you look to your group, um, wh whatever you groups you would, you know, associate yourself with and maybe create outsiders, which we all probably do because it's so culturally ingrained in us. Um, yeah. But but looking at ways that you do that and go, oh, I don't have to do that. We're all human beings. We're all brothers. We're all one. Yeah, I would add on the rootedness. I think an interesting thing is when one is looking at one's own life, looking at healthy ways to feel rooted, like yeah. what would those be? Those would be different for each person. It might be doing something physical. It might be being having quiet time. It might be whatever, but just sort of do a self-examination of what makes you feel grounded mm -hmm. and, and trying not to have that be so maybe externally, like you're saying, Mike, related to some group, because if that group goes away, then where's the groundedness, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, like Fromm says, if I am what I have and I lose what I have, <laughs> well, who am I? Right? Exactly. Um, to exactly. have or to be our first season. Check that out. Yes. All right, guys. It is, you know what? It's Friday! Woo! <laughs> Uh, and we hope you guys have a great weekend. And you know what? We really appreciate you guys, those of you who are listening um, and who are with us right now. Thank you. Because you know what? We love this stuff. And we love the fact that you really are here with us and you're listening. So um, thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Bye, guys. All right. So we will see you guys next time on the Rethinking Humanity podcast. Bye. Bye.